Welcome to my podcast and I'm sitting out of the poor weather in a conference room in the courtyard behind the castle and my guest today is Will Stoner, a great friend whose wife Elsa I like quite as much as him and they both come and eat well and we drink together and we go to their house Stoner Park to eat well and drink together as well so that I suppose is the basis of the friendship. So welcome, Will. Thank you so much for coming round. And I just thought it'd be really interesting to introduce you to my podcast. You live in the most amazing house in Henley, which is about 20 miles to the east of us, nearer London, in fact. And like us, the last year has been somewhat challenging. But we're all trying to look forwards. Is that the best way to start? Um, yes, I think that, that's uh, fair. We, um, Fiona, it's really lovely to be here. And it's particularly nice, I have to say, to get away, from, get away from it all and come over here and come and see you. Because, as you say, it's been a hell of a year. And so it's lovely to come and talk to you and share the interesting experiences that we've all had this year. I'm so happy that in the past we've had some jolly good lunch parties we've, together. We've had a, we've had I a can't lot of wait fun. to start I know, again. I know, I know. If someone says, you know, can we try and organise something one evening? It's like, well, my diary is, it looks like a, a blizzard of white because there is, <laughs> there is no, uh, nothing in it. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that as well. No, I'm so happy because in a sense it's proved to me what's important, as I'm sure to many other people, the gathering of friends and the laughter and the breaking of bread is what is essential to human life mm. for me, for sure. Mm. So, Will, have you been able to open at all in the past year? We've sadly not been able to open the house. And we'd hoped to have opened it for Christmas. But as you know, Stoner is a very rambling, old, higgledy-piggledy house. Although it's not small, because it's so old, it doesn't have any really large rooms. And it meant that we just were too worried about it being too... The cramping space. people yeah, together. Yeah, exactly, cramping people together. And so... We we almost opened for Christmas, and in the end, we just felt we couldn't, which is an enormous shame because we'd put in all the preparation for it. We hadn't started decorating, but we were almost about to, and so sadly, we we haven't. And that's a, it's, that's a, it's the first time the house has not been opened since 1979. But what we have been able to do is have our gardens open and have our adventure playground open, and. And we've extended that. So that's that. been wonderful. Well, that's been amazing. Yes. And and we literally just had our last weekend, last weekend of, of those open. So can I ask you, before we go on, so tell me about Stoner Park, the house. I remember the dining room. You'll be surprised <laughs> here. But so, so tell me about Stoner, it's an origins, and how your family came to be living there, Will. We've been living there, we know for sure, for 29 generations, father to son, and the first member of the family that we absolutely know of because we still have the family archives records going back to 1150 so Robert de Stenora as he was called then Robert of the Stony Place and I'll come back to that in a minute he's the first member of the family that we absolutely know is a direct descendant and lived there but they obviously lived somewhere before so we presume they probably lived there before so we've been there nearly 850 years and we live in the same building which the earliest part dates from then, uh, which has been added and added to. If you look at Stoner from the outside, it looks sort of pretty symmetrical. If you look carefully, it's What sort of 18th century, would you say? It looks, yes. It was, I mean, the shape of the house came to its its sort of final uh, form in the late 1500s. In the late 18th century, they took out the old leaded windows 
and they put in sash windows. So, and they, they slightly remodeled it just with the flavor of the time. But actually, the shape got to its, its current shape in, in the late 1500s. So I'm right and wrong, which is the Potsdam. No, well, you are. I mean, if you <laughs> look at it, you're absolutely... Sorry of my life. No, no, you're, ba- you're, you're absolutely right, because if you look mm. at it, that's exactly what it looks yeah. like, late 18th century. But actually, it was slightly changed. The, the leaded windows, they went for two reasons. One was because they didn't lead in much light, and they weren't very good for insulation. But uh, we're a Catholic family, and we were paying triple window tax, and the window tax was on every pane of glass in the window so (laughs) so you know uh, uh, so we reduced the number of panes in in the windows from maybe 60 down to 12 Um, and and that that really helped with with paying the window tax which is one of the early you know as we know is one of the early forms of taxation in 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 Britain oh I think that's a lovely story I mean I don't whether you know because Heitler seems obviously very Victorian but in fact inside it is the remains of a medieval palace. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's but very the, early as well. So it is very early, but it's um, changed its form and the, some of the old courtyards and the remains of, of the shape in the landscape around it has all gone mm, mm. and it has become more symmetrical. But we're lucky to have the larger rooms of the extravagant, optimistic world of the Victorians, yes, yes. which have allowed us to have one-way tours, yes. although this time last year we might have had 1,000, 1,200 people a day and we are now doing 100 or less. My goodness. As I say, we, we almost did it, but in the end we just decided it was just we didn't want to take that risk. But, you know, we're really looking forward to next year. You know, we are planning on next year being a normal year. I mean, let's see what happens, but we are, we are planning yes. on it being a normal year and the house will be open again from Easter and I, I think actually it'll be, you know, there'll be a lot of people who haven't been able to come this year who'll be really looking forward to coming back. But also being able to have had the gardens open and also the playground, we've seen an enormous, huge number of people have come to enjoy that, many more than we normally have. Good. And I think, you know, August was, we were four times the number of people coming into the grounds in, in, in August than, than, than our previous sort of record. And we absolutely could tell there was a lot of people that have never been to Stoneham before who were very interested in the house. And so, you know, we're looking forward to welcoming them back and coming to see it when it, when it opens. Touch wood, as it will. I'm sure it will. Absolutely. And, and your advantage, I've always thought, is that you're much nearer London than we are. Well, so it's any, such any, an yeah. easy well, drive. And you've also got the town of Henley, which is charming. And I've come to speak at the Literary Festival yes, before, absolutely. which I hope will restart. But it, it's a really pretty, charming area of England. It, it's completely idyllic in so many ways. Well, no more so than around here. Um, oh. But, but <laughs> I, mean, the, 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 I mean, the amazing thing about Britain is, is just the diversity of it, isn't it? Mm. And how we're only, you know, 50 minutes drive apart, but the, 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 the landscape can be so different. And each area is very unique. It is lovely where we are. And, you know, we're in the Chiltern Hills, just up from Henley, which is a lovely town that we feel very close to as a family. My family initially made its its wares, its, its, its money from the wool trade, because the Chilterns back in medieval times was a, a centre for grazing sheep for the wool. And As was here, absolutely, and and you, and still is. Sadly, we don't have sheep at home anymore. We have our Norman herd of deer, but we don't have sheep anymore. But it was all taken down the road to Henley and put on barges. Yes, the the wool from Stoner, and it was all exported, and it went down to London, where the second man of the of the family was always based, and it was all then exported to Flanders and to Italy to go into tapestries. And so the wharfs in Henley, the early wharfs, were built by the family. So we've been associated with that town for just as long as we've been at Stoner, and that's really important to us. How interesting, because um, wool from Highclere, particularly in the William of Wickham's time in the 
Chaucer's time there for the 14th mm, century, mm. and Chaucer worked in London in the wool trade for a short time, as in Geoffrey Chaucer, the famous poet yes. who's, whose work I love. And one of the fields here is called Skiptel, and I read that in the 14th century, one-third, 30% of the GDP of this country came from the wool trade. Wow. Which is Well, huge. that would explain, wouldn't it, why these estates <laughs> yes. prospered. Yes, and, and it was all along this Thames Valley yeah, yes, basin yes, because of yes. the, the access, I think, through yeah. the yeah. rivers. Yeah. And it was also why it led later on, I know, to the English Civil War, when I think you would have been on the Catholic side, and we might have been on the Protestant. Maybe. We survived. We all survived. I think we sort of we just <laughs> kept our heads down, didn't we? Well, there was the famous Battle of Newbury here, and the first yeah. Earl of Carnarvon died fighting for Charles I right. in the Battle of Newbury. So it's sort of, but again, it was around here, and again, control of the mm. wool trade, yeah. which yeah. the merchants in London were then yes. um, selling into the continent. Oh, and they then, I think, kept the money. Yeah. And in the end, they were obviously the ones who won out, and it went into the time of Oliver Cromwell, but which probably was a time that your family, actually like this family, all had to keep their heads down again to try you to survive. To be pretty clever. Yes, you had to be very careful. Remaining Catholic, we then had to be really careful for another 300 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I think this family were Protestant. And funny, if I'm, I'm partly Scottish, and my Scottish family were Protestant, right. which was a easier thing to be, mm, to stay mm, on mm. the winning side, if you like, in yes troublesome and quite pernicious times mm. but i gathered during the lockdown you had a very happy event in terms of the antiques roadshow we which did was yeah we did which i love i do watch it on a sunday i think fiona bruce is amazing she is amazing she is brilliant it. isn't she we did they've made two episodes we understand one will be in the spring and one will be in the summer perfect uh, perfect <laughs> um, so and uh, so yeah it was a, they, they managed to film it in august it was the first episode or couple of episodes that Antiques Roadshow had, had been able to do post this horrendous year. Yes. It was also, I think, one of the first sort of outdoor broadcasts, bit of outdoor broadcasting that the BBC had done as well. And so a lot of firsts were being done for and but, but so you you know, they managed to pull it off. We had less, but yeah, we but did. But that doesn't matter. I'm sure it was just simply wonderful. Oh, it was just great. So lovely it was, to see people. It was great. <laughs> it really was. And they were there for, they filmed for about three days. People were invited to come. So people would put forward objects that they wanted to show and be, be valued. And, and they were invited in. So it wasn't the normal. But I don't think it's going to be that different. I, actually, it won't be different at all. Actually, hopefully there's going to be a bit more on the house than there would normally because to fill a bit more time. But there were some wonderful objects that came. I'm not allowed to talk about them. But some really, really interesting things. And Thinking of interesting things, so what are the key works of art, furniture or paintings in Stoner that you delight in sharing with people? There are, so a few things. There is the family portraits collection of portraits which go back to the early 1500s wow. uh, are on display and those are you know very important to us they're, they're a record of of the house and of the, of the family yeah they are absolutely yeah. yeah actually from the early 1600s there's a there's a lovely painting of the house which is probably one of my most favorite things that we have because it shows it shows the house in the early 1600s at a time when the family was going through a really, t- really tough times for remaining Catholic. And it's quite amusing because for several hundred years, if you were a Catholic, you weren't allowed to own all sorts of things, but in particular, you weren't allowed to own a horse because you could get around the country and cause trouble too easily. And rather amusingly, there is a carriage with four horses in front of the house, which is, I don't know what they were, were they having a bit of fun or, or maybe things were easy at that moment. But that's, that's special. But there was, a, there was a wonderful collection of art that was collected by a cousin of ours, 
who collected pre and post the last war and was a brilliant, brilliant collector. He was uh, absolutely fascinated by late Renaissance art, in particular a sort of high Baroque um, art, a lot of it from Venice, and which back then wasn't actually very in vogue. And he put together an amazing collection of paintings, of objects, of sculptures, of furniture, which he left to my father. So when we moved into Stoner in, in 78, after my grandfather died, which was an exciting moment, we won't go into all of that now, but it was a bit touch and go at the time, and there had been, a lot of things had been sold, unfortunately, contents before then. So it was yes. wonderful when, when we moved in, it was as that my father had inherited this, this wonderful collection of mainly Italian art, and which is on display. And uh, so even though it's actually only been there since the late 70s, it is, Stoner is a perfect place to, to show it. And but isn't it living collecting? Because I think one of my thoughts also at Highclere is we, we don't have all the best Van Dykes or all the best Renaults, all the best anything. We. <laughs> we just have the history that a beautiful Van Dyke or a beautiful Renaissance, the history of collecting over yes. time, it's different people's eyes Absolutely. and how they put it together. So we've got a Skistit, which is 5,000 years old, which actually Geordie and I collected to add to the Egyptian exhibition. Wow. And then we've also got a, an extraordinary Egyptian knife. I think mm. the, the handle is more recent, but the blade could be sort of 5,000 oh, BC to the Fifth Earls collection, mm. to collections of Venice, of, mm, of mm. Canaletto, or mm, in the style mm, of. Mm. And I think the history of collecting, what we find beautiful and collectible mm. in each generation, yes. is as important uh, and a window yes, for I us all. I couldn't agree more. It's, what, what would be wrong with these wonderful old places is if they were just stuck in time. It's so important that they, they continue to, to evolve and they're not just sort of frozen and that you continue to add things. My father, for example, he's collect one of his great interests is contemporary Korean and Japanese ceramics. And he has put together over the last 30 years the most wonderful collection. Very modern, very, very different, but they are throughout the house. And I love that. And actually, they look great with the old and the new. And I haven't quite managed to achieve that yet. But there's a, there's a, few, a few things. I mean, I suppose what my wife and I, Elsa and I, have added is, is that we lived abroad for a long time when I was in the Foreign Office as a diplomat. And so things that we've enjoyed collecting from mainly living in different places in Asia. And that's been great fun. And so they're now on display. And that, that's sort of our, what we've added. Mm. And, and we're looking forward to adding more things to come. But it, it is special because I think it's not frozen in time. And I, I enjoy the juxtaposition. And yet it's interesting. Well, I'm also conscious of the fact that when people arrive at Highclere, the view I want them to see is the view of Capability Brown and mm. Charles Barry, the strong view of mm. the castle where yes. it's situated, which I don't wish to break up with any no. modern sculptors. So it's a question of where you put different things. Yes, you've got to, to be both, clever. To hold that sense of stability and coherence, mm. which was, I think, inherent in the conception of Highclere mm. and, mm. and the park, mm. and then around that just occasionally surprise people, which I which I do enjoy doing. And I think it actually takes it takes me years as I build the confidence to mm. try something mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, always, you can always change it if it doesn't work. Well, I do, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and I do, and I rehung some of the paintings in the house and I, and I ask people about it and we have conflaps and I think I'm going to do it anyway. And yes. I don't actually always involve my husband because... I hope Ailsa works on the need-to-know basis as well, because... Well, I, I, I hope, yes. Well. <laughs> it always was a, a feature of growing up 
that one of my parents would say, why is that being moved without the other knowing? And, um, uh, and that's fun. That's great. I think, it's, yeah. I think it's quite fun too. And then suddenly my husband says, what's that doing there? Well, it happens also with animals because I've actually now got, got into pig breeding here as well with a rare British oh, pig. So British lop. Wow. And Geordie came down to find that a boar, I'd bought a boar with Simon Alf, our manager, called Arthur, King Arthur Tintagel. <laughs> he was now arriving at Ivory yeah. Park. But he's taken it very well because it's a little bit mad. But And he, I think he understands where, where's, where's it. Where does he live? King Arthur. King Arthur. Well, King Arthur has got various girlfriends. Right. His first girlfriend is a Thelma and Louise. Wow. And then from Thelma and Louise, who had a different sire, right. um, Ernie, I then have got Lady Mary, Lady Youth and Lady Sybil. Oh, very Now, Lady Sybil has gone to live with Adam Henson, so okay. she's very much in the public eye and on television, very right. famous pig. And then I've also had now Lady Violet and Lady Cora arrive. <laughs> so he has now got about five different girlfriends. <laughs> the so British, how, big a, how big a pig is? Well, the British they... Lop is actually quite a big pig. It's endangered. Mm. When I began to research it, there's an extraordinary man called Giles Eustace at Travascus Farm in Cornwall. And he had saved the breed, which had become so narrow because of the post-World War way that we've been breeding pigs and for bacon mm. and meat. Mm, mm. There were only 100 breeding cells left in the world, so they're more endangered than any Goodness. exotic animal. So seriously, it's been able to draw attention to them. They're very happy living outside. They're pretty friendly, mm. and they're quite easy to look after. Yes. So that works for me, so that yes. if I go into a field and scratch them, they're likely to Perfect. roll over. Mind your feet, because they oh, are yeah. quite big and heavy. <laughs> they're nice people. So it's been so interesting yes. getting to know them yes. and to try to establish a little bit more from our point of view. But it's Giles in Cornwall who's done most of right. it. So we don't have your deer... Uh, we have pigs and sheep yeah. and horses, yes. but you have an amazing herd of deer. Well, we do have a lovely herd of deer, which is a herd of fallow deer, and the fallow deer were brought to England by the Normans. Um, they're not indigenous to the British Isles. They were brought over from France, and the park at Stoner is a very early deer park, and Norman deer park, and so we have had fallow deer at Stoner all, all the way back, and I, I love them. They're, they're, they're really special, and they're, they're very much a, a real feature. Part of the colour of Absolutely, it, yes. absolutely. And interestingly, actually, I mean, they, they sort of have sort of starred a bit in history insofar as is that the meat, their meat, uh, the venison that we get, was famed in Tudor times for being naturally favoured with, with thyme from the wild thyme that grows in the park. And Stoner provided the venison to the, to the Tudor court at Hampton Court. The venison came from Stoner. And so that's rather special, I think. I think it tastes of thyme. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely does from a marketing perspective but it is it's a wonderful herd you know they are wild and it couldn't be a, a, a healthier and also more ecological meat, meat. so we have a few fallow deer here so i'd like to think they might have escaped well from maybe you, maybe maybe a few centuries there are, ago. yes there are i have to say a bit too many around in the world but our herd we're very proud of okay. and and actually one thing rather special at the moment is that we have a white heart i don't you i'm sure you know about white heart but wow. a white is a is a pure white male which is called a buck a fallow is a buck as opposed to a stag for a red deer and we have a a white heart at the moment the first we've had i hope for about, that's a symbol for good luck i exactly this year and that's the first one we've had for about 
about 30 years. They're, they're, some people keep white herds. There are a few white herds in, in, in England, but that's purely through management yes. as opposed to coming completely naturally. And yes. so, yeah, it's, it's lovely How having our white heart moment. And he's, he's looking absolutely magnificent. He's, he's going to be a sort of the, the pride of the, of the herd for the next, let's see, 10 years maybe. Apart from that, I know that when we came and had a walk around after lunch, you've got a rather amazing adventure playground. Of course, we've got a secret garden, but I think you've been doing some secret work on it, haven't you? We, we have been doing some secret work on it. And we put an adventure playground in about four years ago because we were really keen to open ourselves up to a sort of a wider, younger family audience. And, and, that, and that has been really well received. But what's really exciting is is that we've substantially added to it over the last few months. That's sort of a really big project for us. I don't want to say too much about it because there are lots of secret things about it. But but it'll be reimagined and much, much bigger and opening in time for Easter next year. Oh, um, lovely. And, Are you going to have a lovely grand opening? Can I come? Can, you can, I, can yes, I try all yes, the adventure playing around? Yes, you can. <laughs> and absolutely. And we, we've got some some fun things. Are going to, we're having, a, having an opening weekend. We've got some fun things going on. All I say is it's, it's going to be very, very creative. And we, How lovely. It even involves having an author writing a story about it. How charming. Um, How really for children, really obviously. Nice. And we've been working on it this stage of it for the last 18 months. So I'm just so excited about it opening. Can't Good. wait. Well, that's a really lovely way to start the spring, isn't well, it? Well, I think so. And whatever happens, you know, it's outdoors. Yeah. It'll all be, you know, it'll all be fine. You're, whilst your name is Stoner, you referenced earlier on De Stonori, who was stony-faced, which you are not. <laughs> but, but tell me about your stony-faced ancestors. Well, so, so yes, the, our name, I am William Stoner. Where we live is, is Stoner Park. and Consistent. Uh, that, very consistent, easy. And the first... As I said, the first member of the family that we absolutely know of is called Robert de Stonora, which means Robert, in Latin, of the stony place. And the reason uh, it's called that is because there is a pagan stone circle at Stoner, which is, is made from stones that were deposited at the end of the Ice Age when the ice cap gouged the valley that we are in. It deposited, as often was the case, large stones in the valley. And a pagan stone circle was, was created. It's just next door to the house. Actually... The chapel at Stoner, the foundations are built on one enormous rock that comes out from the corner of one of the sides of the chapel. That's why we're called Stoner. But originally it was Robert of the Stony Place, uh, which is rather rather fun. I do find this old ancient landscapes in which we're so fortunate to live reassuring. And I'm not sure, I mean, funny enough, you use the word pagan, but I never really think of it as pagan, but Mm. that's... I think of it as just from earlier ancestors watching the sun rise mm, and set. Not so spiritual. Yes. At one with the place. Absolutely. Mm. And I, I think you're right. thinking of what mattered. And one of the tumuli at the foot of Beacon Hill, one of Johnny's ancestors excavated and found the remains of a skeleton of what they took to be a woman with a child lying nearby, buried mm. with some jewellery. And perhaps they also died of... Mm. some sort of virus or mm. whatever mm. else and were buried with care and consideration mm. and their ancestors sat around wondering where they'd gone and yes. wishing them well on their journey so mm. it's that sense of journey I mm. think which has really come to the fourth to my mind over the last bit and given me a sense of reassurance that we may have continue <laughs> to live yeah, in these yes. places for a bit longer yes 
<laughs> no, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right, is that, especially this year, but everything moves so fast, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And you, you can't speed up the seasons. You can't speed up farming or, or any of those things. And you're right, it, it sort of grounds one, doesn't it? It's important to remember these things. And, and, and if you can, immerse yourselves in them just to give yourself... An anchor, really, Yeah, an anchor, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And of course, Will, you and Ailsa, we meet from time to time sitting in the historic houses, which, if you like, is the, the trade union for those of us who are trying to keep these old yes. places going. Yes. They have been by, by Zoom over the last bit, mm, which mm, is mm. that, you know, turn the mute button off. The mute <laughs> button's on the left, it's all those things. Yes. You're upside down, you want to turn your phone and all the other things that go wrong. But I'll be very glad to see us in a group sitting around yes. contemplating how we go forwards. And, and in your role in the historic house, I mean, did you find that helpful with our updates? Oh, I, 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 it's been incredible. I mean, be, beyond, beyond, beyond this year, Elsa and I when we returned from living in China, where we'd been for six years, when we returned the end of 2015 and took over Stoner, obviously my parents have given us fantastic guidance and advice, but the historic houses really, I can't say this enough actually, has been such a source of support and guidance and friendship for us. And people who are members of that organisation have been incredibly generous in the help that they've given us. And we found that all the way through. But this year, they really have done an amazing job, I think, for for all these uh, houses that are trying to keep going with, as you say, daily updates, as well as an enormous amount of uh, lobbying that they've done on behalf of, of the industry, which is, you know, so benefits more broadly. We can live to fight another year. Absolutely. Mm. And, and, and that's been of, of broader help to the whole uh, hospitality and tourism sector, which has been hit, you know, across the board. Our new boss is Martha Lytton Cobbold, who is the most heavenly Absolutely. friend and woman. Yes. And I think I'm so from proud. our region. From, from our, our region. Yep. And then and she's leading us all forward with her calmness. I always think of her as a very mm. calm, considered person. So and I'm delighted, you know, we've got a, a lady at the front mm. as well because Elsa's thrilled too. Yes, um, okay. And um, and like I know she does you, she also rings Martha up when she needs advice and help. And, and Martha's been incredibly generous with her with her time and, and, and advice to us. James Birch did a phenomenal job, but Martha is going to be absolutely fantastic as well. And it's going to be a bumpy ride going forwards. And I, I really hope, Will, that we can find ways to share the joys of the stewardship that each of us is trying to look after each house and find ways of sharing what we're doing with the public as well mm. and perhaps creating different special interest groups to link people yes. together. Because I think England is unique, Britain is unique in terms of the visible history which is still here, which is open to the public, which is there to be shared, there to be enjoyed, and which is still living. And I think mm. that is uniquely British and we are very fortunate to have mm. it. No, absolutely. And, you know, with houses like yours and like ours, I think that key point about it is they're still lived in. You know, these are still places that continue as they have. Obviously, in the, you know, they change all the time. But um, what's special about these houses and houses that the historic houses looks after is, is that they're very much still lived in and they're not... They're not museums. They they still are functioning places. And as you say, that is a unique thing that we have here in Britain. I think they're eccentric and they're behind the scenes. Wonderfully. Things go wrong. <laughs> all is, the time. Which is all the time. <laughs> I 
then I think it's fun for other people to see how things are going wrong for us. We're all walking the walk together, and I yes. think that's what I'm always trying yeah. to put across. We're all at the moment in the trenches, and hopefully we'll have a better view quite soon. Yes. And I hope that you and I have got lots of different events and can welcome people as we look forward into 2021. Yeah. But Will, thank you so much for coming along today. And it's Great not fun. the normal lunch. It's, I mean, we've had a sandwich lunch. It's but been delicious. Been it's right. been delicious. No, it's been lovely. And, thank and you for I'm looking me forward over. very much to seeing Elsa again. It'd be such a treat. Yeah, well, as soon as we can. I tell you, there's going to be a lot of celebrating at some point next year. I completely yeah. agree. Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you, Will. Bye-bye. Bye. And just to say, please do subscribe to this podcast. Then you can be first on the list every time it comes out.